Hi, and welcome to Ask Rev, a Christian podcast where you guys can come online and ask us questions, be it biblical-related, Christianity-related, church-related, you know, theology-related. Anything that you guys really want to ask a pastor to kind of get his opinion on, we'd be happy to help you guys out with that. Guys, thank you so much for sending in your questions to our email address. If you guys want to keep sending your questions as much as you guys can, Kaylee, where can they send those? You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AskRevPodcast. You can go on Wayne's TikTok at Rev.Wayne and hit up that Q&A section. Or you can email us at AskRevPodcast at gmail.com. That's AskRevPodcast at gmail.com. Guys, I'll be honest with you. We are dying. Very very slowly. Yeah, guys, we have like some sinus cold hit us both, so we're over here like, yay! It's nothing major, but we're over here not feeling the best, but we wanted to make sure we got our episode out for you guys this week. So, with that being said, guys, we are very thankful for your questions, and we had a follow-up question, didn't we? We did. Alright, so it's follow-up to our episode about communion. It says, why do Southern Baptists take communion once a month? Okay, well, uh, Oh, I think he meant once a quarter. Once a quarter? Yeah. Okay, yeah. We discussed this earlier. I think you said once a quarter. It was once a quarter. I might have typed it wrong. That's always my issue. But guys, yeah, well, why do you why do the Baptists take it once a quarter? Kaylee, what do you think? Um, I'll ask you first. It's up to the pastor? Yeah. Generally, guys, uh, whatever you really think of, like, the church liturgy, if you don't do it regularly, like, you're not regularly having communion, communion in itself can become a chore. So you have to be careful how you treat it. So I do kind of caution pastors who treat their uh, communion as a chore. But the reason why we do it once a quarter is because we want to make sure that we're actively participating in communion with the fellow believers. So we made it a purpose to choose at least once every three months. We're going to go ahead and get uh, a time of communion together. Especially when you get to like Advent season, you do it more a little bit more regularly. But remember when we talked about communion in our last episode, uh, or in the communion episode, sorry. It was more of a drive to do... As often you do, do in the remembrance of me. So there was no real time constraint given to us in scripture, but we need to do it regularly. So we made a kind of purpose. But really, we didn't have a specific time frame, so we wanted to make sure we added it into the church calendar as much as we can. Oh, I'm like, so like, when I grew up, we did it the first Sunday of every month. Yeah. But, and you know, growing up when I was, uh, when we were in the IFB church, you know, that was one thing that we, we kind of did that more of once the quarter. So it's not just a Southern Baptist thing. You kind of see it across some of them. Boundaries, some churches do it once every fifth Sunday. So that kind of is more sporadic throughout the church calendar year. Some people do it every service. But I think Southern Baptists just more traditionally do it once a quarter because it is seen as more of a chore. And I hate to say it that way. Yeah, I, I wish we did it more often. Yeah, I agree. I, I like doing communion more often. I think it's very important. I also think that the methodology, I would change it. I think you need, we need to get the little chalices now. They have uh, communion cups, like the little the snackerments uh, or the holy lunchables. Um, they are made in, instead of just being like the little cup thing with like the two toppers, it's what looks like a little chalice now. Mm. So the bottom part you pull off, there's the wafer, and then you open up the top, and there's a little chalice. It's, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Me and Kevin found it in one of the Lifeway books, and we were oh. like, we want these, like, bad. So we're going to see what we can do. Christmas idea for Wayne. Yeah, guys, if you want to buy me, like, snackerments or the, uh, you know, the, the the holy lunchables that look like chalices, just give us, just email us. We'll go ahead and get you guys a P.O. box or something. It'll be okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, All right, so next question. What we got? Who should be able to baptize other believers, pastors and deacons, or anyone? I like that. So, uh, really, when we look at the church, so we have two major ordinances that we do. I add a third one, really, in there, too, because I believe marriage is an ordinance of the church. 
Uh, the two ordinances that we do regularly are baptism and we do cor- uh, communion, so or Eucharist or whatever you want to call Lord's Supper. So whenever we look at these two things, we generally think when it comes to communion, who can really lead the communion? Who do you think? Who can like lead communion in itself? A believer of Christ. Exactly. But when we look at it from the church perspective, generally the pastor is the one who offers the bread. It's generally the senior pastor. who's Or if you're on a multi-staff church or whatever pastor is available to do it at the time. So whenever it comes to church-related baptisms, generally speaking, it is of the purview of the pastor because it is his job to shepherd the flock. And since it is an order of ordinance of the church, generally the pastor is the one who's supposed to give out the ordinances and be a part of that kind of mission. However, there is nowhere in scripture that says only pastors and deacons can do baptisms. So one of my favorite things to do uh, is really look at the different stories of believers coming to Christ. You know, they would generally have just a baptism service. One of my favorite ones, of course, comes with an apostle, uh, Philip, who just met the Ethiopian treasurer or Ethiopian eunuch, depending on what uh, passage, what uh, translation you're looking at, uh, walking down from the city of Jerusalem, heading down, uh, I want to say headed towards Jericho. I might be wrong or they're heading towards Gaza, but, uh, Generally, they kind of got the gospel, and the Ethiopian treasure made the statement, Hey, uh, what's keeping me from being baptized? So they stopped the chariot, they got out, and they baptized the person. Generally speaking, a lot of believers are that way. Outside of the church, hey, they accept Christ, they say, Hey, I want to be baptized now, because all it is is an outward expression of an inward decision. You know, I am a Southern Baptist preacher. I do not believe that bas- baptism is required for salvation. I know some people like our Church of Christ brothers and sisters out there who disagree with me very heavily on that, but that's alright. That's not something that... That's a tertiary argument there. That's not something that we really need to fight here. But uh, when we look at who can do it, generally in the church the pastor is the one who is the one supposed to do it, but he can pass it on to other believers in the church. So let's say uh, I lead a young kid to the Lord and their dad really wants to baptize them. You know, I don't see a problem with that. I would love for that. As long as the dad is also a born-again believer of Christ, I would love to see him baptize his own kid. You know, I've seen moms want to baptize their daughters. I've seen these kind of things. You know, that I was actually very blessed because as a youth pastor, technically youth pastors and family pastors are not in Scripture. There's nowhere in the world, in the book of uh, the Holy Book that we look at, guys, if I would stop stumbling, that'd be great. There's nowhere in Scripture that we see the word youth pastor. You know, it was extra ministry we added on to be able to help specialize focusing on certain age groups. So whenever we look at what we can do with that, I was very blessed to be able to to be able to baptize students. It was just something given to me as kind of a opportunity by my senior pastor when I first got to baptize a kid. And it's awesome. But it just really the requirement for baptism is simply has to be baptized by another believer. So, but yeah, that's kind of my answer. Because, you know, John the Baptist wasn't a pastor he wasn't even an apostle he was a believer just kind of going forth i I just like to think of him as not really the a prophet but very much like a one of the final prophets telling the forecoming of christ but yeah yeah and i guess too like another sub question off that is is it important that it's done in a baptismal no it's just a giant pool yeah a big tub well, let's ask. Let's go a little further than that. Does it have to be full body submersion? I think it's got to... It's more about the symbolism, really. Mm-hmm. We just, as Baptists, we believe that it's full body submersion. Yeah. But I think you got to do with what you got. 
especially you think of people in different countries where they might not have big bodies of water where they can baptize, but they have a, a small bowl mm-hmm. and they can anoint the head. You just got to do with what you got. Yeah, I agree. One of my favorite things to see is uh, I watch a lot of people who go into uh, nursing and assisted living homes things like that and these people who come to christ later on in life who are living in the nursing homes or these assisted living facilities are coming to christ routinely they finally get to know jesus but they want to be baptized so obviously it's very difficult for us to get them out of the bed if especially if they're uh movement restricted mm-hmm. you know it's very difficult for us to get them out of bed into a pool and baptize because it can hurt them and it can hurt those who are trying to help them so i fully believe it's okay we can anoint the head you know, on the other half, one of the things that I have seen done, and actually I had the pleasure of getting to do this for a church, we had a gentleman who was uh, wheelchair bound. He was not able to move, but he came to know Christ and uh, wanted to be baptized. So what we did is we rented out, or not really rented, but we asked permission to lo- use the local pool. Had one of the little crane seats to help us get him down into the water, and we were able to baptize him in the pool. You're right. The baptistry is not important, but just we need water. But it's really the symbolism behind it. To be buried with Christ and raised and walk in the newness of life. Christ is baptized, so to act and follow in obedience that Christ did, we also get baptized. But I like that question. That was, that was a lot that we threw in there, but it's okay. But what else have we got? Alright. So, with Halloween being a recent thing that's happened. Yeah, like nine days ago? Yeah, a few days ago. Um, should Christians celebrate Halloween? Ah, the long-lived question. Should Christians celebrate the devil's holiday? You know what? Satan's birthday, right? Have you ever heard that? You mean Reformation? Yeah, for me, October 31st is Happy Reformation Day. I mean, come on. It's when Luther, Martin Luther had 99 problems and the Catholic Church was one. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's one of my. Amen. I tell you I'm what. Just kidding. No, uh, guys, we're not against our Catholic brothers and sisters, all the time. Uh, but whenever we look at uh, Halloween, the reality is, uh, you know, the harvest was what it was originally. But you've seen the combination of that with the what Celtic version of the Sandwine, or I think that's how you said Sandwine, which was a very interesting holiday. But with like the horse skull, have you seen like that whole? Uh, yeah, there was a whole thing. It's kind of, it's Celtic, uh, I mean, I knew holiday. it was, like, a Celtic holiday. I don't know about the Celtic holiday. Oh, yeah, no, apparently what they would do is, uh, they would take this horse skull with a cloak, and this guy would walk from door to door, knocking on the door, and they would, like, kind of, uh, best way to say is they would rap battle. <laughs> and oh, if you oh, lost... yeah. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I love being able to sit here and just say rap battle. But they would go back and forth with lyrics and whoever lost, like the, the San Wayne or the uh, the horse spirit lost, he moved on to the next house. If you lost, you couldn't come back with like a retort. Uh, they got to go in there and raid your uh, kitchen of all your beer and food. And I was sitting here going, man, I would love to be the horse spirit. That would be a great day, except for the beer part. I don't like to drink, but all that food, I would do that. Also to rap battle people, I think that would be hilarious. All the potatoes. All of the potatoes. That'd be so nice. Yeah. So, uh, really, when we look at these kind of combinations of different uh, different holidays all into one, what's really created the Halloween that we have today, you know, on the spirit side of it, 
always come down to precaution, you know. We're not supposed to have a spirit of fear and stuff like that within ourselves. You know, all that kind of stuff. Fear is not of God and stuff for, like, the fear of the Lord, which means a healthy respect of God in a way. It's very interesting to kind of go down this rabbit hole. I can go down and give you, like, history of, like, the church's whole fight against it forever and always. But the reality is I don't see a problem with it as long as you're going around trick-or-treating. You're going around for the candy. You're not here celebrating or worshiping anything. What do you think? Oh, let's let's go back and forth. Well, with I guess one. like it, like we grew up differently. Yeah. Like you grew up and you celebrated Halloween as a kid, where you're terrified of people in costumes. I have an so. un or ir- irrational fear of people in masks and costumes. Which is, it does seem it's it is rather rational. I mean, <laughs> but you know, I never liked it when trick or treaters would come because I was always scared of people in masks, <laughs> so I would hide. A lot of times when the trick-or-treaters would come to our house. But my mom my mom and I had this conversation actually last week. And, you know, she thinks like, you know, she was glad that she raised me the way that, that we did. There was a local church in our area that did um, King's Kids. Uh-huh. And it was an alternate to um, going trick-or-treating. Where we'll talk about this in our next question, but it was a, basically a giant fall festival okay. where you could dress up in any costume as long as it wasn't scary. So you could be a princess or a cop or whatever you wanted to be as a kid, mm-hmm. but you'd go around play games and you'd walk out with your candy. And that would just be an, an alternate for those who that didn't like trick-or-treating. Yeah. And we also did a fall festival at church and I would go out to my grandparents' house and trick-or-treat because they live on the farm and no one would ever come out there. And yeah. so my, grandma always had candy. And then I think we would go out and have ice cream or something that night after the trick-or-treaters had all gone down our house. But the only reason my mom actually handed out candy was because she was a para-educator at a school, meaning she's a teacher's aide. And so she liked getting to see the kids in their costumes. But she says now that she's not working, she's not so much about it. But it also comes down to, like, people from all over north iowa come to their house on their street and trick-or-treat i think they had over a thousand kids wow this year and my mom's like that's just feasible or uh, financially not feasible yeah um to supply that many kids with a piece of candy Mm -hmm. especially with the way inflation is and so you know she we just never did i mean we she would hand out candy but that was basically the end point of our celebration of halloween i mean i really didn't grow up watching scary movies i didn't really dress up in costume except if it was for our church fall festival yeah in which we had the stipulation it had to be a biblical character that you dressed up as but like what was the uh, the theological reason behind not celebrating halloween? i think basically like the pagan worship of it okay. i think was ultimately what was their problem with it mm-hmm. And I don't think they celebrated either as kids, just because it was, again, financially not feasible for them. Yeah. Think about when they were growing up, it was the 60s and 70s, and they didn't have a whole lot. So um, I think it was just not feasible for them. And I have never talked to my grandparents about why, but they aren't really huge um, holiday celebrators in general like my grandparents don't set up a christmas tree mm-hmm. we all get together at christmas and give gifts but we don't uh, they don't have they don't decorate the whole house for christmas except for my grandma's christmas village 
which she hasn't set up in the last few years just because it's, it's too lot. hard for them. And they're in, my grandpa's 90 and my grandma's 85, so. They're out there in age. You know, it's, it's just hard for them to do that now. But, I mean, they don't set up a Christmas tree. They never decorate for any season. Mm-hmm. So, but so that's more like the financial side of it, though. But like, really, I think that that pagan worship. Whenever you look at that, uh, I think that's one of the biggest uh, reasons that a lot of Christians give is is pagan worship. But in all actuality, yeah, there's some people out there who are going like way too far with their costumes. Whatever, uh, the death looks really real. <laughs> I, I have an issue. Uh, we've kind of desensitized ourselves to a lot of things in this culture. I mean. Not going down the video. I like playing video games. I'm a very, a very avid video game player. But in the reality is, there's a lot of things that used to scare people back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s that do not scare kids today at all. Like it's gone. I mean, you would be amazed at what the kids watch and they tell me at school. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, uh, I'm a 29 year old adult and I don't even watch that because it would make me have nightmares. Oh yeah, it's scary. Like you know, we we had websites uh, that came out there. You know, you'd actually find actual videos of beheadings and things like that at one point and people were watching that in college just because hey they found it you know they wanted to see how much they could handle so there became this moment of where we want to see how extreme we can go so i wouldn't say necessarily going through the desensitization of it but i think we've gone to the point where we wanted to go so overboard and see how realistic we can get because that scare scare factor is what we always chase after now as a culture so i always say be careful with what you do I see no problem with having your kids because, like, one thing about it is, is I'm probably going to, whenever we have kids, I will probably take our child out trick or treating. Yeah, I, you know? I, I don't, you know, I think that we probably will discuss that more when we get to that point. Yeah, but but the reality is for me, like, I will look at it this way. I don't want like I don't want my kid. I heard I heard a pastor say this one, but I, I don't want my kid to miss out on the opportunity to go get candy. That's all they're doing. We're not going to dress up scary. We're not going to go like all big and bad, all these costumes off the. Uh, off the end you know they can dress up as, a, as you said like a princess stuff like that and just go be what you want to be but the trick-or-treating part i have no problem with the the pagan worship the satanic stuff that you see a lot of these videos and movies that we see coming out with it some of them i do think go a little bit too far with it but i always say this you know you be careful you know the scripture warns us about witchcraft and wizardry warns us about things uh, dealings with spirits and things like that so be careful how far we're going with this but i always kind of err on the side of caution if i'm having to look at you and say hey be careful how far you go with that it's telling me hey you shouldn't be messing with that in the first place it's kind of like hey uh you get a ouija board from walmart hey be careful what you do with that it might just be better to say hey i wouldn't mess with that if i were you you know it's just kind of a better symbolism because although some people think it's a game it's not it's, it's very real i think too like i think growing up in the church that I did, a lot of people felt that way, like, about the witchcraft and things, like, I didn't watch Harry Potter or read Harry Potter growing up until I was older, and my parents knew that I could, um, separate fiction from reality, Yeah, and I think that's what, I'll, I think that's was part of it, um, was, um, can you separate those two items there, and I know a lot of people that still probably to this day from that church don't go trick-or-treating or or dress up like that because they have a hard time separating those two yeah i do think there's a lot of people in today's culture have have trouble separating the two as well because we get to a point now where you know people are are living out fantasies 
And that's there are plenty of them that are going to a very destructive side of communities. Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful how far we go down the path. And that's why we always recommend, as a church, as a Christian body, yes, you probably should not be celebrating Halloween in its fullness. You know, that's not a good thing to do. Because it's once again having to say, here, be careful how far you go. Hey, you know, I wouldn't get too close to that fire if I were you. Maybe you should just leave the fire alone. You know, always that kind of mentality. So be careful when it comes to Halloween. But here's, here's the reality of it. I grew up going trick-or-treating. You know, I dressed up as ninjas, Power Rangers, all that wonderful stuff that, you know, kids of the 90s did because that's what we did. I remember making my own costume out of a bathrobe and a ninja sword because that's all we had at the time. Because, you know, financially, we weren't always the stable, most stable. Military life is not always the best paying job. But whenever you see that kind of life, you know, I remember all the fun times I had with my dad. But my parents made sure to keep it real with us. Like, you know, it was not out there worshiping the whole reason why I was going door to door was get a piece of candy and that's all the how the holiday was for me but what's our next question we can jump onto that one because yeah and you know just put that preference out there to be careful where you go trick-or-treating and oh yeah guys everything (laughs) um you know with some of the there's scary stuff out there yeah (laughs) please be careful I remember this one gentleman who I I think I was seven or I was either six or seven, and he dressed up as a scarecrow, and he, they did the whole, like, sit down in the chair and not move. And so I didn't realize he had the candy bowl, like, next to him, so I went up to get the candy, and he moved, and I lost my mind. And, and y'all, that is why I am scared of people in masks. Childhood trauma is real. <laughs> Be careful, guys. But, you know, like, you know, once again, you know, like with my parents' situation, you know, they have thousands of people come down their street, yeah. you know. You can't financially keep up with that. You know, don't be mad at people. Don't be rolling people's houses because of this. Yeah, go. Like, you know, don't be rude. Realize, you know, that's a big burden for some people. And Halloween is not a reason to do vandalism. Or to go into debt. Yeah, that's it's the same thing with the like when we look at a Christmas as well. It's not a good reason to go into debt. You know, honestly, sometimes maybe your kid just doesn't need that new iPhone. Reality, but that's for a later conversation. But what's but, our next anyway, question? Uh. Are fall festivals or trunk or treats okay to to have at church if Halloween is deemed evil? Okay, see, here's here's my problem. We have the Christian view of Halloween's an evil thing, but on every October 31st, or every weekend before Halloween, churches do a fall festival or a trunk or treat. See, at my church, whenever we did our fall festival, it was usually the Wednesday before october 31st Uh but if it happened to land on it we would do it the week before so we never did it on halloween you see i don't i don't think the having to be on the day is my problem here it's It's a christian substitution for something that we're calling evil now see the thing is is we have and there's this whole argument like all of how the catholic church uh, took over all the pagan holidays be able to help conversion all this stuff some of that is rooted in a fact some of that is actually rooted in a fiction so please double check all your things that you guys are listening to and reading because the reality is some of this does not cover up certain holidays some holidays that we have dates for actually not correct according to history so be careful what you grab off the media and just accept as fact because somebody else said it uh same thing with us always make sure to double check our facts here but uh whenever i look at a church doing like a fall festival or a trunk or treat as a christian alternative to halloween i'm looking at you going okay so 
you're participating in evilness with a Christian twist. There's a lot of people who have committed evilness with a Christian twist. Sounds a little cultish. Sounds a lot cultish, but you know, churches do it. Now, I'm going to say this. With my view on Halloween, we did have a church fall festival. Yeah. uh, We had it, I believe it was the Sunday before Halloween. Or no, a week before Halloween. The Sunday before, week before Halloween. Because Halloween was on a Monday this year. Yeah. So it was the Sunday before that Sunday. But, uh... Either way. Yeah. Before but we had uh, our trunk or tr- we kind of had a fall festival. And I made it into more of a carnival style where they come in and play games and get candy and stuff like that. We didn't encourage anybody to dress up. Some people did dress up and there were some very like, kids who were adorable in their costumes. And it was hilarious because it was just fun to get to hang out with them and get to spend time with these families. It was a great way to reach the community. But in the way of reaching the community, if you have an issue with Halloween, don't do a fall festival. Because all you do is throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't live of the world and be against it. That kind of mentality. If you know where I'm going with that, I might look at. I might be going crazy. I don't know. Y'all, medication is fun, and it's just like cold and cough medication. I don't know why. Don't know why it's messing with us, or specifically me. But I have no problem with people doing a fall festival or a drug or treat as a church. But if you take a stance against Halloween. Don't do it because that's hypocrisy and all, all you're doing. I love it when churches step up and say, hey, we're going to have a fall festival. We're going to have a trunk treat. We want to give your kids a safe place to come get candy, come mm-hmm. spend time with us. And we also want to like, kind of pour into your family. So give you guys like resources, be able to spend time with you and have some fun with you as, as a church. We want to be able to do that. Yeah, especially if you like live in an area that's not very safe for kids to go trick or treating. Yeah. It gives them that safe place to go. Yeah, because uh, you know, a couple of churches that we've served in has been in more of the uh, lower-income communities. And it's wonderful to see those families come over because the reality is our church is right now is kind of like a beacon on the street corner as well a place right there in kind of the middle, lower-income, uh, to also some nicer homes. We're kind of in that little mix, like more blue-collar homes, if mm-hmm. that's the terminology we're going to use today. But the thing is, there's a lot of those people who don't come to our church. So it was nice because our none of those streets in our area are very well lit. Uh, so there's very few sidewalks, if any sidewalks, mm-hmm. in that area. So sometimes it can be very dangerous for these kids to go trick or treat in our area. So we gave them a place to come, come safe place, very well lit, in one of our parking lots. Had it marked off so nobody can drive cars through there. And had a place for them to come and have fun and play. No kid left without a half bag full of candy. Like mm-hmm. I mean, one of those big old Halloween bags full of candy. We want to make sure they had a very positive experience. I think that's wonderful. Churches have your fall festival. Have your trunk or treat. Don't call Halloween evil, then participate in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. That's hypocrisy. So, growing up in your church, did they deem Halloween evil? Yes. And did they have a fall festival? No. Okay. Like, the Independent Fundamental Baptist we grew up, the IFB church that we grew up in, they deemed it evil and encouraged us not to partake in it. Granted, when I was starting to really going to church, you know, I was already a teenager, so really we were kind of getting too old for trick or treating, as that phrase goes. I honestly don't like that concept. I don't believe that older kids need to kind of take it away from the younger kids, but I'd rather have a teenager come get free candy from my house than go do something else on the street that's not productive. Yeah, then go do bad things. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, come get candy. I have plenty of it. But whenever they told us no, it's not okay. We just didn't. We didn't mess with it. We didn't fool with it at all. 
You know, that was just the way they stood. But you had plenty of churches in the area who didn't follow that. So you followed the same pattern of standing against Halloween, but decided, oh, but we're going to have a trunk or treat because we're going to use this for us. Every church that I've served in, we've had a trunk or treat or a fall festival. Yeah. And we didn't take a stance against it. We didn't step up and say, Halloween's of the devil. No, we said, hey, this is an opportunity for us to reach our community, give free candy, and talk to people. So as a pastor, what I would recommend for you as a church is if you're going to want to do a fall festival, do a trunk or treat, do it. Go have fun. Full send it. Pour into your community. Be careful of the hypocrisy because that's what the people are seeing. It's like, oh, these people told us this is of the devil, but now they're letting us over here and have fun and giving us candy. I have an issue with that. Also, make sure you check what's on the wrapping of your candy. Mm-hmm. Because... There are some things on those candy pieces because people are using different kind of marketing schemes that can be considered demonic or can be considered evil. So make sure if you're going to give out candy, be careful what you're, what you're handing out. But don't say one thing and do something else because that's what the church is now famous for is our kind of hypocrisy. Granted, you know, there is no church out there that does not have hypocrites in it because I can't look at you and say, hey, stop sinning. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sinner too. The reality is I'm coming to tell you, hey, there's a better way out of this. But the reality is every pastor out there is a hypocrite because, you know, a lot of us have a testimony where we weren't the best of people. Mm-hmm. But when we become famous for our, our blind hypocrisy or for our ridiculousness, all you're going to do is drive your community away. Be about the people. See what you can do and pour into them. But that's really all I have on that one. Do you have any other comments you want to throw in there? No, I mean, we grew up having one in our church but it was just an alternate thing you know a safer place for us to go even though the town i grew up in was fairly safe but we had a lot of homeschool people at our church that didn't have those kinds of places to go yeah trick-or-treating where i lived on a fairly safe street um so i don't have a problem with fall festivals fair enough all right well, guys, I think that's our last question for the day. It is. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to Ask Grab a Christian Podcast. You guys come online here and ask us all these questions. But guys, keep submitting your questions. We absolutely love the fact that we get to answer these things. So I got a little passionate about that whole fall festival thing. Hypocrisy just really gets me sometimes. <laughs> I can't stand it. But uh, please, guys, continue to send your uh, questions into the, our social medias and into our email address. Kaylee, can you give those to them one more time? Yeah, you can go on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ask Rev Podcast. You can hit up Wayne's TikTok at rev.wayne. You can also email us at askrevpodcast at gmail.com. Guys, it's askrevpodcast at gmail.com. Y'all keep sending them in as much as you can. Hey, you know, we're still asking. If you have a funny church story or a very funny Christian joke you want to be uh, sent in, we'd love to have them. We'd love to do an episode on them. We desperately need them to come in, though, because... Otherwise, you're going to have like these Googling two. things. I, I, think, I think we got four now. I, I think I found four. Oh. But that's still not enough. I mean, no, we got more we stories. Need we want to share more 30 minutes things. of content. Guys, we want to share these stories with you. We want you guys to share your stories with us. We think it's going to be awesome. But guys, until then, friends, we love y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, bye. Bye.